Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator around here. Hey, listen, we are smack dab like in the middle of this series. It's going well so far. We're starting off good. There we go. All right, let's not, I'm not going to touch it again because that would be bad. Okay, here we go. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator around here. Welcome to DHC. Um, we are right in the middle of this series called Revolutionary, and it is the one phrase that we could think of or come up with to describe this radical message that Jesus gave this one time. In fact, this message that he gave changed everything in the history of humanity. This message was so radical and so different that we could only come up with one phrase to describe it because it truly was a revolution. And this message was called the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe if you've been around church before, you've heard that phrase. If you're new to church, you may not have. This is just the title of a message that Jesus gave on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. You're going to want to make sure to check that out just so you can have context for where he gave this message. But see, Jesus, who we believe is who he said that he was, he predicted his own death and resurrection, confirming to the world that he was God. Jesus, who um, gave this radical message, had so many things to say about topics of the time and issues of the time and relate issues that were related to God. But what he knew is that these issues and topics that he brought up would transcend time and they actually still are relevant to us today. And so one of the things we said that we were going to do throughout these eight weeks is just let these messages build on each other and just kind of take a walk down memory lane as we begin. So the first week, we looked at these things called Beatitudes, these supreme blessings, that if you wanted the supreme blessings of God in your life, that there were things that you needed to do and things that you needed to act like, and that was kind of all rooted in humility. When you put others first and not yourself, you get these supreme blessings of God. And then in the second week, we talked about salt and light. Because Jesus said, yes, when you say yes to following me, this earth needs you, this world needs you. You are the salt of the earth. And you are the light to a very dark, broken world. And then in the third week, we kind of went through a smorgasbord of topics, just like Jesus did. We talked about murder and about how Jesus compared murder to anger, that it was that powerful of an emotion, that anger was so like, powerful and it can be so volatile. He compared it to murder. And then we talked about adultery and how just emotional and serious that is and how it can just rip folks limb from limb and to just stay as far away from it as you can. And then we talked about what Jesus said as it related for eye to an eye. That no longer was it if you did something to me that I could do it back to you. No, but now I'm going to sacrifice and give grace where grace is needed. And then last week, this was really cool, we talked about loving your enemies and what Jesus had to say about that. And we talked about kind of all these people in our lives who could be enemies. And we talked about people who are just kind of at odds with each other. And some of it is really small things, but some of it are really big things. And Jesus flipped the switch on everything. And he said, no, 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 here's what you need to do. You need to love your enemies. Sacrifice what you want for the grace of someone else. And then today, we're actually going to land on a topic that Jesus landed on for a long time in the Sermon on the Mount. He's going to land on prayer. We haven't spent time at Downtown Harbor Church actually for a whole message talking about prayer yet. But if you're probably like me, even if you're not a church person or haven't been in a while, you've probably prayed at some point, right? Maybe you were a kid or maybe it was at grandma's house or whatever that looked like for you. But you probably prayed at some point and you probably experienced that. Maybe you still pray today. I will tell you that I pray today. 
And see, sometimes it's really serious for me because I have to come, you know, with my job, I get to interact with all kinds of different people. And sometimes prayer is very serious it's, and it's emotional. And you're praying for people's health and well-being. And then sometimes, like, you're, if you're like me, you're just like praying for a parking spot, right? Like when you pull into Publix, you're like, dear God in heaven, let me have this spot today because I do not want to walk. I'm also praying... When there's this really great lady who works the deli counter at Publix, and when she's not there, i got to tell you, it's brutal. It really is. So I'm just praying that she's there quite a bit. But praying, right, this is something that probably all of us either have an association with or do or have done. All of us in the room in some way can relate to prayer. But I wanted to kind of open up with what I think prayer is. What actually is this thing called prayer that we participate in or we've known to participate in? And I just think it's this. I think it's simple. It's a dialogue between man and God. It's a dialogue that we, human beings, have between us and God. And furthermore, I wanted to look at what the actual like, definition of this word was, prayer. It's always important for me to figure out how is this defined in culture? What does this actually look like for everyone else out there? What's the definition? And here it is. A spiritual communion with God or an object of worship, as in supplication, thanksgiving, adoration, or confession. And here's what I also love about prayer. When we experience prayer and we kind of commune with God and talk with God and there's that interaction, what I love maybe most about prayer is that prayer is a mystery and that we don't even really understand everything about prayer. We understand what it is, but always the answer is not what we want. And sometimes we ask of things and the answer is no. Or sometimes we say, hey, I think it should go this direction, God. Help me out in this way. And it sometimes does happen, but it sometimes doesn't. And so it's a mystery. And how do we understand it? And what do we do? And how do we put that into practice in our lives? Well, I want to tell you about what I think about prayer. I think prayer is important. And let me tell you why. I think prayer is important. And I'm going to give you probably the most simple reason that I can. Here at Downtown Harbor Church, we look at the life of Jesus for everything. We want to know how he acted because we believe he is who he said that he was. We want to know how he acted. We want to know what he did. We want to look at how he treated others. We want to look at his words. We want to look at everything related to Jesus and how that looks in our lives. And so related to prayer, I want to make a statement about Jesus that I think is important for all of us to understand. Here it is. Jesus prayed. Jesus actually in his life prayed. And see, because Jesus prayed, because Jesus practiced this, we look to him as our example. And what we want to do is because Jesus prayed, here's, here's, we know, we can know that prayer is important. Jesus took time in his life to actually participate in prayer, to dialogue with God, to commune with God, this supreme being creator of the universe. Jesus took the time to participate in this himself, so we need to take that as our example and to understand how important it is. Now, from the scripture, let me give you a couple of examples, just so it's not just my word for it. I want to give you an example of when Jesus prayed. Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. Here's what it says. Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. Jesus prayed. It was important to him. Therefore, it should be important to us. And then it says in the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 28, Jesus took Peter, John, and James. Now, 
Though you, not have, you might not have context for those names. But Peter, John, and James were three of Jesus' disciples or followers. They were people who were close to him and kind of watched and studied his every move. And they became followers of Jesus. Jesus took Peter, John, and James with him and went up to a mountain to pray. It was important. Prayer took a priority in the life of Jesus, and therefore, if it took a priority in the life of Jesus, it should take a priority in our life as well. <laughs> but there's a problem, because there's generally a problem, and Jesus came to flip all of these problems right on their head. See, Jesus always clashed with the religious institution of the time. And these people who were the religious institution of the time, the people who followed the old law, what they were doing is they were using prayer to elevate their own status. They were using prayer to build themselves up. They were using prayer to say, look at me and how close I can be to God. By maybe using big words or praying for a long period of time and instructing people that if they didn't do it the same way that they were doing it, this religious institution of the time, that they necessarily weren't as spiritual as they were. That's a problem. This is a problem. People were using prayer to build themselves up. Jesus took issue with this. Jesus was not happy about this because it was never supposed to be about us and our own glorified egos saying, look how close I can be to God. Jesus' message was all about love and restoration and hope for others, not just us, not building our own egos up. So because Jesus was frustrated by this, he addressed it in the Sermon on the Mount, and it was so radical and so revolutionary. So... It is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 16. If you have a scripture, you can open that up. Or if you want to just look on the screen or get out your mobile device, some people like to follow along. Whatever you'd like to do, go ahead. He said this, When you pray, don't be like the, look at this word, hypocrites. He called the religious institution of the time who were using prayer to build themselves up, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. Jesus said, don't do it. These religious institution people of the time, don't do it. Go be different. So Jesus said, don't. But then he always gave, and this is what I love so much about this. Then he always gave us a do. He always said, okay, now go and do this. And he gave us very clear instructions about how we should pray that is the exact opposite of this. And here's what he said. He said, but when you pray, go away by yourself and shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. And then he said, then your father who sees everything will reward you. I don't know what I think that he did. He used this extreme exaggeration of what you should do when you pray because it was the exact opposite of the religious institution of the time. 
because they probably like to use extreme flowery language to describe their relationship with God, words that people don't even understand. If you've been around the local church long enough, you probably know there's a lot of places still like this out there today that use words and, and phrases that we don't even get. Like, I mean, there, I, I remember the first time like I started working at a church and I was on staff and I was like, what are these people talking about? I didn't even get it. Right? And then look at me. Look how big I am so I can be closer to God by what I'm doing. But Jesus said, no, no, no. Go into a room, shut the door, and be private about it. Well, so if he said that, I had to ask myself this question. Well, then why do we even pray here if those were Jesus' instructions to us? Why do we even take time at the beginning of our service and at the end of our service to pray? Well, here's what I think about that. I think that Jesus used that extreme exaggeration from one end of the spectrum to the other to make a point, saying, hey, this is what they're doing. Here's what you really should be doing. But even in the life of Jesus, he prayed with people. There were moments that people needed prayer. There are moments when our, we here are going to need prayer, and that's okay. I believe that private prayer is good, and you can pray in public, but you cannot do what Jesus described as the hypocrite's were doing but he went on and he said when you pray don't babble on and on as the gentiles do they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again and i loved this because i wanted to research what was he talking about at the time and there were a lot of folks who would just chant things over and over and over again during this period of time and jesus said no don't do that don't babble on and on like that he said don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. And I read this and I once again said, he's just flipping the lid on everything. Jesus, what are you talking about? You've told me that I should pray. You pray and now you're telling me that God knows what I need even before I ask him? What is this? I mean, I would be, I'd be the guy there with his hand up, right? In math class in fourth grade going, Jesus, I don't get this. And I, I believe that this is why prayer is a mystery. I believe that this is one of the most beautiful things about prayer. And I also believe that Jesus is confirming that prayer isn't just about asking God for something so you'll get it. I believe prayer is about your spiritual connection with a being that is greater than yourself. I believe prayer benefits us. I believe that prayer helps us stay on our journey of consistency. I believe that prayer should be a part of every single one of our lives so that we can be connected to our creator more, even though he already knows everything that we need. That's how big this God is. That's how massive he is. That's how much knowledge he has that we don't have. So when Jesus said this, he goes, and, and guys, here's how you should pray. Let me give you an outline. Let me give you a blueprint. You want to pray in your heart. You want to pray out loud. You want to pray in private. Okay, let me give you a blueprint as to how you should pray. And you know, those of us who have been around the church for any length of time have probably heard what I'm about to put on the screen. If you're new, maybe you haven't. That's totally cool. But here is what Jesus said as he said related to how we should pray. He gave us a prayer called the Lord's Prayer. And if you actually look at what the words in this prayer say. 
They are beautiful and breathtaking and help every individual understand what it looks like to connect with their creator. And here's what it says. Pray like this. He said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let me tell you what this means real quick. Check me out. Our Father, who's not here, who's bigger than us, who's more massive than we could ever understand, we honor your name. Thank you, God, for who you are that we can't even necessarily understand. And then it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning your way, God, is the best way. And we want to help do that here on earth. We want to be your hands and feet to go help love our neighbor as ourselves so that we can understand and people will see Jesus when they see us. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he said, give us this day our daily bread. God, give us what we need each day. We all have needs. Give us what we need. And forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us for the things that we've done wrong. Because every single one of us have. As we forgive them that trespass against us. God, help us to forgive others in our lives who have wronged us every single day. And then I love this, God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do you know why this is in here and this is in the blueprint, the outline? You know why this is here? Because we all struggle with stuff. And my stuff isn't any different than your stuff, but we're all tempted by different things. God, lead us away from that. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And you know what I love about this? You know what I love about this simple blueprint and this simple thing that maybe so many of us have memorized or maybe we've heard it before or we've heard it repeated or whatever it is? You know what I love about this is that it's so simple. Jesus gave us this outline for what a simplistic prayer looks like. That's how simple it is. But you want to know the problem? Because as I said, there's always a problem. And the problem is, once again, historically, Christianity has complicated prayer. His Christianity has historically complicated prayer. To where, in certain denominations of the Christian faith in this day and age, you're not even permitted to necessarily pray because you don't have enough status within a church. Or if you don't understand their language, you might not be able to, to, to utter the words that, you're, that they're claiming you need to utter. But Jesus said, no, no, no. He goes, this is how simple it is. But historically, Christianity has complicated prayer. Again, just like we did thousands of years ago when Jesus corrected us the first time, we've got it wrong again. And that's where we especially at Downtown Harbor Church, are looking exactly at the life of Jesus and saying, yes, Jesus, we get it. You proved you are who you say that you are, so we're going to take you at your word, and we're going to take you at your simple way to pray. Because, see, prayer is not actually complicated. It's easy. Anyone can do it. Not somebody on a stage with a microphone, but anyone can just simply, in their hearts or with their words, Pray. It's a dialogue between man and God. See, prayer is not complicated. It actually is simple. I believe it's so simple, as I've just described. 
And I also believe that prayer is pure. I want you to think about this for a second. Think about the creation of human beings, right? And think about God, this being that we don't even necessarily get. Think of how pure it is for a creator and a human being to just be in this connection, this thing that we don't even understand. But I'll tell you this, it's so simple and it's so pure. And then lastly, I said this when I started and I'll say it again. I actually believe that prayer is mysterious. I believe there's a mystery in prayer which makes it awesome. Because you're never going to find out everything that you want to know about praying. You're never going to know if it works the way you've been taught that it works or that you want it to work. It's not about that. See, we've been taught the wrong way to pray and about prayer. I got to tell you what I've been taught because it was the opposite of what I just heard. I've been taught so often in my life that prayer is to make a request before God and then I hope he gives it to me. That's what I've been taught prayer was. But prayer is so much bigger than that. It's simple, it's pure, it's mysterious, and that's why I want to make a couple of statements here before we close, right? Because so oftentimes, we kind of look at ourselves in the room and go, what do we do with this information? Thanks, Adam, for the information about prayer. What do I do with it? Well, I'm going to make a couple of just suggestions. Maybe you take a step. Maybe you look at something differently this week because here's what I want you to know. You should pray. I believe you should. I do. I don't ask people to do things around here that I don't do myself. Okay? You should pray. Because Jesus taught us to. And you should pray just as Jesus taught us to pray. So, what does that mean? Maybe just this week for the first time, you need to just open the text or Google it. It's Matthew, right where I read from, and read that prayer just every day this week, just in the beginning of your morning. It will take literally 25 seconds because God will work in your life in a different way when you do. You need to take that prayer as an outline for how to look at when you pray by thanking God for who he is, by asking for forgiveness for what we've done because we've all done stuff, by asking for help and forgiving others. You know how hard it is to forgive other people? It is not easy. I'm telling you, and here's the deal, I need help doing it time and time again. And then I want to end by saying, God, you are bigger than we could ever ask for or imagine, and we love you. And maybe, maybe for you, you've heard that before. And that blueprint's kind of down in your mind, and you get it. But maybe, maybe you need to just ask God this week for some guidance in your life over an issue that you might be dealing with. Because he will guide Remember, he knows what we need already. Maybe you need to ask God for some help with an issue that you're going with. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe someone's sick and you need to pray for them in hopes that they get better. Maybe someone's sick and it's at the end and you need to pray for comfort for their family and for yourself. See, the thing is, we've complicated prayer. We've complicated prayer so much again. So here's what I want you to leave with today. You should pray, and prayer should be a priority in your life, but don't overcomplicate it. 
Don't think that you can't do it because some religious whack job has led people astray along the way and told you that you cannot connect with God. Yes, you can. Don't, don't misunderstand this. Make prayer a priority. Just don't overcomplicate it. One of the last things that I want to say, in our house, we don't have a lot of what I would call spiritual or Christian or religious things or pictures or artifacts or whatever you want to call it. But here's what I do know, is that Caitlin, my wife, she went on Etsy last year and got a picture that had the Lord's Prayer on it. It's in a gold frame. It's cool. It sits right next to the edge of our couch. And I look at that as many times as I can so that I'm reminded about what God wants me to do in prayer. Boy, the Etsy sales probably just went up for the week, but I'm just kidding, right? Here's the deal. That's something that we, any of us can do because it's possible for all of us. So make prayer a priority. Just don't overcomplicate it in your life. And I'll tell you this. If you do this, your life will be different. You will feel closer to this supreme being, God, Jesus, that we can try to understand but is so big. Your life will be better. Take my word for it. Let me pray for us now. Dear God, I am just so thankful that you are who you say that you are and that this should be a priority in each one of our lives. And God, I just want you to know that we love you here. And I pray today that you would help every one of us, including myself, get this better, get this more. That we would make prayer a priority, but it wouldn't be overcomplicated. We would take you at face value. And that prayer at the end of everything, not only would draw us closer to you, but would help us to love our neighbors as ourselves and love our communities as ourselves. God, this is happening at Downtown Harbor Church, and I'm so thankful for what's going on in this movement. And I pray that you would guide us, allow us to follow in your footsteps in Jesus' name.